Hello, everyone. Welcome to Word with Dave Clay. Now, by no stretch of (laughs) any imagination, the imagination, my imagination, am I an atlas? (laughs) Of course, atlas is of Greek mythology. And uh, with that was, I understand, quite a physical specimen. He was able to, or in, I guess, other ways of describing it, cursed to bear the weight of the world eternally. Uh, I don't either want to bear the weight of the world eternally. I don't want to pretend like I'm some sort of physical specimen that could, in an atlas sort of way, have the strength, even with that material, bodily sort of element, to do such strong man (laughs) sorts of things. But I would like to say this, what I have been given, I like to do the best I can to maintain. Uh, And a long time ago, I learned, particularly on the physical side, and probably more so today than ever before on the psychological side, the weight of the world. I have learned the value of warm-ups. You just don't go out and do it. Uh, You might want to call it Also, somewhat prep. Uh, Maybe it's maintenance. But whatever words you use, maybe they're three separate things. Maybe they're all aspects of a central thing, phenomenon. But if you don't do any of that warm-up, maintenance, prep, when it comes time to do the exercise, you're going to get hurt. Whether it's cardiovascular, weightlifting, warm-ups help. Stretch your muscles, take deep breaths. Even so, get your head in the right place, even when it comes to the physical. But certainly on a psychological level, there's a similar phenomenon or phenomena. And that would be the topic of today's podcast. Psychology Today, Why Therapy Works. By Stephen C. Hayes, Ph.D. Psychological flexibility is a fundamental skill for mental health. Why does psychotherapy work? The practice involves an element of mystery. Just what is it about therapy that can generate such profound change? About five years ago, my colleagues, trying to get the names right, Stefan Hoffman, Joe Sairochi, Baljinder Sadra, and Fred Chin, and I decided to look at all successful mediational studies done on a psychosocial intervention in a randomized controlled trial targeting a mental health outcome. We had no idea what we were in for. It was a huge effort that took nearly 50 people over four years. More than 54,000 studies were rated twice to see if the analyses or analysis were properly done. We ended up with 281 clear findings using 73 different measures. The results were published in the journal Behavior Research and Therapy. 
As you might have guessed, we discovered that there is not just one pathway to change, but many, each supporting people differently in different contexts. The surprising finding, however, was that one particular combination of skills proved far more commonly effective than anything else. It was more frequently found than self-esteem, support from friends, family, or a therapist, and even whether or not a client had negative, dysfunctional thoughts. The most common pathway to change relied upon psychological flexibility. Flexibility skills and closely related concepts accounted for about 55% of the explanation for successful therapy. Three skills of psychological flexibility. We can now say that psychological flexibility is the most commonly proven skill of importance to mental health and emotional well-being. Whether you suffer from anxiety depression, addiction, or another form of mental distress, developing psychological flexibility in therapy helps you deal with these conditions effectively and move your life in a meaningful direction. What does psychological flexibility entail? It's best to think of it as three skills in one. Skill number one, awareness. The first skill of psychological flexibility is awareness. This means noticing what happens in the present moment. What thoughts emerge, what feelings, what sensations. It also means noticing these things from a more spiritual part of yourself. The now cannot be experienced with words alone. It needs to be attentively experienced. It's the difference between talking about the flavor of an orange and actually tasting the fruit. The latter is much richer than the former. Instead of being caught up in your own head, awareness is about being in the here and the now. And even more, it entails the ability to deliberately direct, broaden, or focus on different aspects of your experience. Skill number two, openness. The second skill of psychological flexibility is openness. This means means allowing yourself to feel and process difficult thoughts and painful feelings exactly as they are without their necessarily having to change before you move toward the life you want to live. This can be counterintuitive and hard to grasp because people tend to seek therapy precisely to get rid of their negative thoughts and feelings. Unfortunately, the mind does not work this way. Generally, the harder you try to eliminate pain, the more it will control your life. Instead, openness is about dropping the internal fight and allowing thoughts and feelings to be what they are. Merely thoughts and feelings without their needing to control you. Ironically, when you adopt that open posture, thoughts and feelings often change in a more positive direction. Skill number three, valued engagement. The third and final skill of psychological flexibility is valued engagement. 
This means knowing what matters to you and taking steps in that direction. It involves being in contact with your goals, objectives you want to reach or achieve, and your values, those personal qualities you choose to manifest and be guided by regardless of a specific outcome. These matters need to be freely chosen rather than being forced on you by others or mindlessly followed out of custom. Once you have clarity about what matters, you can take action to build sustainable habits that make life more meaningful. Psychological flexibility reorients us. The first two skills of psychological flexibility create a working approach to mindfulness skills. In close connection with other processes of change, psychological flexibility and mindfulness are the smallest set of skills that do the most good in the most areas. We now know a major part of the answer to the question, why does therapy work? It often works by establishing greater awareness openness, and values-based engagement in life. When you're frustrated at work, you can notice your frustration, allow it to be, and still take steps to complete your assignment. When you're in a fight with your spouse, you can acknowledge the pain, embrace it as a learning opportunity, and make plans to move forward stronger together. Psychological flexibility empowers you to stop fighting yourself and orient your life toward meaning. It is accessible to you right here and now, and just as with any skill, the more you practice, the better you will become. The history of science and human development shows that when we have a clear target, we can learn how to move toward it. Processes of psychological flexibility are not the only ones of importance in creating mental health, but they are the most universally universally significant ones. The opportunity to develop these vital skills in therapy gives us all a target for change. Again, Psychology Today, January, February of 2023. Why therapy works. Psychological flexibility is a fundamental skill for mental health. Stephen C. Hayes, Ph.D., who is a professor of the Nevada Foundation, in the Department of Psychology at the University of Nevada, Reno. But if you don't warm up, (laughs) none of this works. If you don't at least attend to some maintenance of the system, some preparation, and maybe it is, even with therapy in mind, both a physical and psychological preparation, including maintenance and warm-up. You're not going to be able to count on the human operation to support even this basic of patterns, which I think is also probably more universal than individual, and that is the benefit of good sound research, fundamental model, good sound fundamental model of research is that we're not going to do it on just one person. We're going to do it on a nice sample, which then represents what we believe to be all of us. 
And that's precisely what Dr. Hayes engaged in. But even so, though the capability or capacity for psychological flexibility would be available to us all, if we don't understand the basics of good systems maintenance, if we don't understand the basics of good health, if we don't understand even so the basics of not just once, not just event or circumstance driven, but as a general pattern of good health and good behavioral health, when the time comes to exercise, you won't be warmed up. You won't be in a good place. Now, I don't know that I am also, as much as I'm not Atlas, I don't know that I'm also inclined to be so technologically advanced, as they used to say, or computer or artificial intelligence oriented. I think some of the terms are typically, or at least for me, they typically hold benefit and utility. And so I, I think that typically when I think of things like this, I kind of go to them and again, it gives us some common dimension of language and I can communicate them better. Even so to you, the podcast listener. But in a little bit of an AI or computer-oriented sort of way, you have to clear the cachet. <laughs> you have to defrag the system. You have to fix broken files. You have to remove unnecessary software. You have to maintain a good store of memory, at least capability. Uh, efficiently have processed <laughs> prior I guess, incidences, <laughs> or in a current sort of way, day-by-day uh, -day sort of processing, you've kept up. Nothing has gotten backlogged. You've been in the moment or maintained your capability of being in a moment, open, available, to addressing whatever the moment might hold, whatever the day might bring, whatever that place in your life, whatever milestone, whatever big or small, significant or seemingly insignificant experience in life might bring you. But if you do not do that, or at least have an awareness of that, <laughs> you're probably not going to be able to do what otherwise Stephen C. Hayes has identified as psychological flexibility. Why? Because the system is going to be all cluttered with fragmented files, broken sort of processes, maybe even hard drive problems <laughs> need to be repaired or looked at. And that's probably as far as I want to go with the AI analogy because I don't want to get into too much of that. I want to stay where we are in, in more general sort of terms about psychotherapy, not specific to a certain theoretical model or using particulars in terms of nomenclature or jargon. I want to just kind of keep it general and keep it simple and keep it broad. If you're going to process well, if you're going to exercise or demonstrate psychological flexibility, it's not only the warm-up 
but it's also with that then maintenance. And should you eventually be able to prepare yourself well enough, warm up enough to be able to kind of experience empirically so these three steps or three skills uh, in a stepwise, I think, is progressive somewhat, then you need to keep doing that. You need to do that daily. You need to do that maybe several times a day, multiple times over the course of the day. You need to at least occasionally defragment, (laughs) clean up, make sure all the operational systems of emotion and thought are as much in an immediate context, not waylaid with backlog material, stuff that has happened that you've really not processed in avoidance, not wanting to feel those bad feelings, as the article points out, wanting to get rid of them rather than approach them. You've not done your work. And then when it comes time to really exercise, you're not physically healthy You're not bodily healthy. You're not mentally healthy as part of the body. You're not psychologically healthy as part of both bodily and psychological, emotional, and then mental operations. You're not going to be in the moment. You're not going to have enough available either, I guess, attention, focus, You'll have residuals of other things that are still cluttering your mind. Your awareness is compromised. You're, as I think the article also said, you're into your own head way too much. You don't even know at some point you've lost a sense and then presently might not even know what's important to you. It's very difficult to... (laughs) Kind of enjoy life when you're feeling threatened all the time and even if the threat's been removed but you've not let go of it the experience you're probably not going to be able to enjoy even the opportunity of not being threatened so when it comes to psychological flexibility as a fundamental skill I think describing it as a skill the author kind of captures There's a bit of awareness or learning that you have to come to. And he does point that out, even as one of the skills. But I don't know that this is necessarily something learned as much as it may be something actualized, which means it is at some level level part of just a general coming online of not only operational systems, but overall operations. It probably goes with awareness in the sense of identity, who you are, what you are, what you want to live your life for. It includes social learning. It's just another way of (laughs) describing what is the normal course of human development. And that has to be genetically encoded. But to be aware, or at least to have some knowledge of it, I'll switch that from awareness to knowledge so as not to confuse it too much with the skill set. But if someone teaches you these skills, or at least draws your attention to, brings that knowledge to a place of consciousness, 
then you can cooperate. You can, maybe as with any skill set, you can practice it. Again, maybe as any, with any sort of notion of preparedness or warm-up or maintenance, it gets you prepared to do the actual exercise, whether it's physically, lifting weights, running, <laughs> playing a sport, a game, uh, or just contending with all the incredible questions of life. Those situations, circumstances that bring forward not only a need for an immediate answer adaptively, something that is qualitatively and quantitatively going to bring more life, better life, in an immediate sense, but long term, and how it becomes part of who you are and how it gets into your, your memory, uh, gets into your head. And then maybe so subconsciously or unconsciously, you can kind of look at that operationally, kind of, I can't get away from it, kind of like a, a computer and AI. You're operating within a particular software program and aren't paying attention at all to all the other operations that are going on because those have become kind of ground to the figure. (laughs) Figure being the thing that's on the screen and the background would be all of this. It's going on and thankfully it is, but it doesn't require your attention so much. You can focus all of that on the immediacy. But it's not to be neglected because, again, go back to that AI thing. Sorry. It's got to do with keeping the the files defragged. It's got to do with regular systems maintenance. It's it's got to do with appreciating that that we're not machines or mechanistic. There's much, much more to us, as the article calls it, spiritual dimension. It's all predicated upon... (laughs) Machinery. It's all predicated upon bodily operations, which really is mechanistic. But you're not going to get to the highest order stuff of the highest order, not only psychological operations, but in that, then the highest order of psychological operations, which really may be staying in the here and now. (laughs) Again, clearing the cachet, making sure the system stays defragged. So that you can not only attend to what's going on, but you're not going to be prejudiced or carry any unfinished business into present context that will steal an opportunity to enjoy the moment that you're in. Or if you want to say it again in a different sort of way rather than computer terminology, you want to be able to go to bed at night without anything on your mind. But if you don't, it does accumulate quite quickly, and one day, (laughs) as exponentially so, carries into the next and can create this sort of very pessimistic, negative, fatalistic sort of paradigm (laughs) that then begins to guide and direct your life. Now, I love it how the article presents it to be within... Dimension has to be, should be, within dimension of values, a valued engagement. 
But here's the reality, folks. Therapy works because we get there, but to get there, sometimes people have to, and it's going to seem at times when they do, somewhat harsh, point out, ask you to stop, kind of almost in a jarring sort of way, identify how you've gone so far down that fatalistic path, that failure path, your identity has become so overshadowed by all of these experiences, bad ones even, so that you've not enjoyed the good ones, negative ones even, so that you might not even remember or be able to recall the good ones, the positives. The things that really, I think, might make life qualitatively and quantitatively good. Adaptive brings with it more life. Somebody has to say, wait a minute. You need to stop and listen. Because you can't get their attention. Now, you can unpack that slowly. You can try to do that even so methodically. <laughs> Psychology, good psychological counseling includes appreciation for rapport building as well as appraisal and assessment of where someone is, not only in terms of mental state, as with all this negativity and identity and self-esteem, but also mental state in terms of operations. Maybe they've got a hard drive problem. I'm hoping we can repair it without having to replace it. Come up with a fix. But it will take time and many people give up even so on that. So there's a balance as with the person, me, assisting the person, you, or someone who comes in. I have to be appreciative. Uh, Am I going to be able to actually succeed in stopping the negative long enough within the context of this really safe, sound, secure space filled full of genuine positive regard and affirmation and kindness and support. Am I going to be able to do that? Are they going to... (laughs) That person, you, going to leave prematurely. The minute we start talking about it, Are you going to begin to associate the experience as just the opposite? Not because I haven't done everything in my power, including this podcast today, to help people become aware of where they are, if they would be, if they would be, are so progressed. Give it some time. The therapist is doing the best they can. The psychological counselor, I'm doing the best I can to balance all that out. Knowing full well that at any moment you could bolt or leave. Stay with it at least long enough to know whether or not I have any credibility. That I'm going to do it the proper way, the right way. And... That's why, again, we do the podcast. I want you to know, that's why Stephen C. Hayes wrote the article. He wants you to know Psychology Today published it as well as the, the journal. 
the Behavior Research and Therapy Journal. Because if we are fully disclosing on the front end, we can at least help you by providing awareness and knowledge of really what this is all about. I'm hoping that when the time comes, I can go back and cross-reference that when you feel like you can't do it. You don't want to come back. You don't want to sit down. You don't want to talk about these things. You'll be able to remember, I told you (laughs) what to expect. Not in a bad way, but just prepared you. And I tried to be nice and kind along the way and supportive so that I didn't contaminate it by causing further distress or anxiety. It's bad enough (laughs) for you as as a patient to come in with all your own. I don't need to be contributing to that. But if I'm going to teach you a skill set, and if this skill set includes awareness, openness, and valued engagement, I'm not going to get there until I can shut the dysfunctional model of fight or flight, avoidance, being closed off, shut down, and really not looking at anything much within the qualitative or quality dimension, more so within just the quantitative or the survival dimension, I'm not going to get you to understand the skill set. I can supply the knowledge, but we have to empirically validate that. (laughs) The positives as much as you come in with all of the negatives. We take nothing away from your feelings. Those feelings that people bring in, and generally speaking, once more, they come in not because they're feeling good and they want to feel better. They come in because people feel bad. They feel depressed. They have all these problems, the article pointed out earlier. Difficulties. Mostly as a result of trying to cope with it, but not being able to keep it current, stay in the moment, getting backlogged, overwhelmed, Too much has happened too quickly. They've not known how to do it. Nobody taught them. They were taught that growing up. Staying in the moment, though, so that we can begin to validate not only the efficacy, the value of the skill sets, but then allowing that person to move or shift from empirically validated, I suppose is the way to say it, negative feelings to the offering of the alternative. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to always have some negatives, but it doesn't mean it's all going to be negative. And if we rightly approach it, as with these skill sets, then you can begin to at least process those, remove as much the negative stigma, emotional stigma, It goes along with it so that you can be open to the positives. Or you can see even, sometimes, you can see even in the negatives. It wasn't all negative. There were positive moments. Or you can see in all the negatives, feelings, experiences. You can see how learning answers questions. You can gain in self-esteem. And I believe, again, Stephen C. Hayes, everything that he has reported, presented in the Psychology Today article, as well as 
when it was originally published in the Behavior Research and Therapy Journal. It's true. But you're not going to get there without an awareness of being prepared, (laughs) a knowledge of what it's going to look like, what the skill sets are we're attempting to establish as an alternative to the fight or flight, emotional thinking, some highest order cognitive thinking, again, even to the extent it seems spiritual, if you can do that so elegantly. <laughs> and I don't want to take anything away from it by calling it mechanistically, but don't attend to things that you can do mechanically. Attend to the things that otherwise are the enhancements on the mechanistic or the mechanical. Life can become just a matter of mechanics, <laughs> just a matter of day-to-day. That's not what we want. We want to see it in qualitative, not just survival terms. Yep, again, to kind of present it from another perspective or angle, you have to shut off the fight or flight to get into the more higher or the highest order, the more adaptive highest order of abstract thought, psychological thinking, problem solving, relationship building, giving your body a chance to sleep at night. And that's very physiological. That's turning off. It's very mechanistic in that way. Turning off the sympathetic nervous system operation so that within the homeostatic response, we can turn on the parasympathetic or allow it to function. And in what ratio? (laughs) Sympathetic, very, very small. Parasympathetic, very, very large. Again, You can look at this from a lot of different angles. But I agree when it comes right down to it. You have to be at least knowledgeable of the need to prepare, to establish some sort of positive expectation, hope even. Do a bit of warm up, maybe. (laughs) Make sure that you've done your systems maintenance. So that you can be open to the immediacy of the moment, not interpreting everything within a negative paradigm or way of thinking that could and probably has. And if not, you've not done all of the good stuff of maintenance and, and, and kept that from backlogging. It becomes part of who you are and your identity, your self-esteem, your sense of uh, optimism or hope or, again, fatality. And then really find out in a valued engagement sort of way what's good for you. But let this sort of be just notice. If you're so negative, I have to stop you. (laughs) At least it may seem harsh when I say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And it may seem like I'm taking you in a direction that goes against your values, but your values are predicate upon a lot of poor, negative, poor dysfunctional paradigms life is terrible I won't succeed you can't trust people every day brings something that hurts there's always loss there's always hunger there's always thirst there's always problems and difficulties that unfortunately becomes a values statement that I have to challenge 
I get it that we want to aspire to the positive value engagement, but that's where the real psychological flexibility has to come in. If I can't persuade you, if I can't, and you won't allow me to lead you toward a different perspective, challenging even so your negativity, I don't, it does not do you any good. It doesn't do me any good. You the recipient, me the giver, you the patient, me the psychological counselor, the psychotherapist. I don't want to get into a struggle with you over that. So we'll do it the best we can. But if you're gone down that path and that road and everything is negative, some point along the way, I'm going to have to say, wait a minute. We just need to see this in, in, unfortunately, some kind of binary or absolute sort of terms. All of that is negative. All of that is filtered through such the lens of the negative. That it doesn't matter what you say you want or what you say you like. You'll never get it because you can't get out of that and you don't expect that. And in that fatalistic way, you're, you're... Projecting that, you're forecasting that, and then you're living up to your projections and, and your forecasting. I'm going to change it. I'm going to say, no, trust me. It may sound like a values, and it is, but it's values at that level. It's not the person that you are, it's not your decision that you make. I just want to make sure your overall way of looking at. Life isn't caught up in the rigidity of. And if it is, then I have to sort of do again a bit of that challenge to tell you, no, you can't stay there. It, it won't work. And, I, and I'm not going to agree with you either. If you want to take me to that conclusion, I'm going to keep pushing back. That's where I believe therapy is more active, action-oriented than it is just reflexive or reflective and then reflexive in the sense of, I just provide a really safe, secure environment and eventually you find your way. No, it doesn't work that way. It helps, but that's kind of part of the prep. We understand. We have to take good care of ourselves physically and psychologically. But we also have to trust and believe that daily maintenance effort to keep all of this in the most positive of lights is essential or we're going to get into that rut. And it will be more difficult and maybe even at times feel like that I'm challenging who you are, which in itself might seem a bit threatening, but I have to at least at this level of identity that and with that then more specifically that you're a failure or that all is going to fail I have to do that <laughs> or, or it won't work you'll win and I don't want you to win at that level I want you to win by taking over your life but I want you to realize or recognize if I'm able to do so that your definitions, though you're entitled to them, and certainly that's all that choice really 
in, a, in the best of ways, the highest again of ways, the greatest of ways comes back to is you can do with your life whatever you would want to do with your life. But if you come to me and say, I want to do it differently or I think I could have something better quality-wise, I'm going to offer you <laughs> sound empiricism. I'm not only going to direct you to evidence as in research as with Stephen C. Hayes and these really great research models that's established such fact uh, as, as evidence, but we'll come up with theory that will personalize that. <laughs> Take that to you and what of that we want to try to use and employ. But I'm going to coach you on living by the same standard. Empiricism. <laughs> Sound, psychological, empirical, experimental research models of taking in data and seeing it objectively and learning from it and <laughs> clearing the cash day defragging the system so you can be in the moment so that whatever the moment brings you'll be in a maximal again most elegant efficacious sort of way prepared to address it and hopefully can bring some if not physical material answer to application of an answer to your material physical sort of circumstance at least psychologically you can stay in the realm of hope you can do that ratio thing more toward the parasympathetic than you are toward the sympathetic out of the fight or flight emotional thinking into the more rational reasoned imaginative hopeful optimistic creative dimensions of life had I started with that, it had been like going out and trying to run a marathon without ever having prepared or go compete in some weightlifting competition or even if it's just you trying to run around the block. If you don't go out and walk occasionally, you're probably not going to make it around the block. If you don't make it around the block, you're probably not going to make it to the half mile. If you don't do the half mile, you're not going to make it to the mile. So we have to start out in that frame of reference of preparation. And though we may all look at ourselves and say, well, we're not Atlas. <laughs> it's okay. You still are well equipped. And with that then, maybe you don't have to be Atlas. Maybe you don't have to be condemned to carrying or shouldering in physical dimension the weight of the world or psychological dimension the weight of the world. Maybe you just have to <laughs> enjoy and let the world carry the world. Let everything that makes life go, <laughs> make life go. Just don't make it worse for you by contaminating it with all of your pessimism, negativity, your hopelessness, your fatalism. Yes, I'm putting that back on the patient, you, but I'm not doing that in a condemning way I'm not agreeing with you I'm just saying you have to realize you have to be open to change you have to make a choice to do it differently and once we get you in a position where you understand these three skills or how it all rightly fits together as I've attempted to in the time that has been allotted explain it on the podcast today then if you begin to use that in 
prepare in this sort of terms or maintenance sort of terms, then maybe that means you can do it on your own. You don't need me. You don't need to call me or come in to see me with any more regularity or commitment. You can do that for yourself. But we do need you to be prepared because there will be exercises in life that will require quite a bit of this not only skill set, but virtue and character as strength, confidence, empirically validated. So, so you won't get trapped in or at least tempted to get trapped in the negatives or go down that path. Now that you've changed course, going in a different direction. But if you should occasionally need somebody, then seek them out. There's nothing wrong with that either. And (laughs) that's why we do the podcast. We want to offer that to you and encourage you to go ahead and take action. Should you be somebody who's been on the fence for a while or gone down that road maybe too far, or maybe you've got family that's telling you, oh, you should go, I think it'll be good for you, or where you can't help you at this point, you're beyond our ability to really understand what to do, or we're too much a part of it, go talk to somebody, (laughs) get some help, it's okay, get some help. There's plenty of good providers, again, Psychology Today offers a directory on their website, Uh, type in your zip code. They'll give you options. Identify the specialties. uh, Who's equipped or vetted. No reason you can't find good help. No reason that you can't come back to the next edition of Word with Dave Clay. And as always, I want to wish you good, not only health, but good behavioral health.